You are listening to the Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Good afternoon and welcome to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Tony and I are two Texas licensed attorneys and we have the show The Legal Connection as a public service to our listeners. So thank you for being a listener and get your friends to listen. We address legal questions. We answer questions that you send us and questions that we're asked. You know, we have people come up to us all the time and say, hey, you do that show, right? Well, talk about this. And... um, so today, we're going to talk about Homeowners Association. This is um, three uh, the third part in a, a non-consecutive yes. order, um, but we've had some more questions and incidents with Homeowners Association. Yeah, a number of my clients had more questions, and like just with last week's show, uh, one of my clients, uh, not just one of them, actually several of them had questions about um, easements and some issues they uh, had, and they knew it was really expensive to hire an attorney, and so we answered those questions for them last week. And um, this week, I have, I would probably have, I would say I have about maybe five clients that, uh, even though I do, a, a, you know, there's a broad spectrum of the type of law that, that I practice and that we, we practice, right. you know, in our, our, our uh, type of law, uh, uh, I don't want to say career, but just Depression. in our law practice, you right. know, I do, do criminal defense and, you know, the whole gambit of things. Um, this so happens. Uh, I've had a lot of questions with regard to homeowners associations and people, you know, being fined by them. And, and they, they, they're really afraid because they're home and they don't know quite what they should do under the circumstances. And, uh, you know, do they mediate? Uh, do they what kind of power do they have? What are the can they can they fight in the fines uh, are, were the fines that they were getting, are they, were they valid? I mean, lots and lots of questions. So right. that's what we're going to do today is we're going to answer some of those questions. Okay. Um, fine. So homeowners associations, if you didn't catch our last two shows, uh, non-consecutive, it was a couple of weeks ago, about homeowners associations. I just want to do a brief background that uh, homeowners associations, they're called HOAs. And POAs. Uh, and POA, <laughs> they can be yeah. They, they uh, HOA is homeowners association. It can be a property owners association. Mm-hmm. It can be a condominium owners association. So there's different names for it, but it's the association that that governs. Um, uh, it's a group of people that have come together, and usually they're nonprofit corporations, um, and usually they're volunteers, and they're usually volunteers, right? Uh, sometimes they can be. Um, I, I would say that the least the ones that I've been members of have been managed by management companies, but. Several of my clients did not have management companies. They were handled by people that were actually members of the group. But they're called different things. And they manage your, you know, where you live, mm-hmm. basically. Okay. And they uh, they uh, share a common purpose. They manage and take care of the common areas in a neighborhood. Um, it's run by a board. It's typically, as we just said, made up by volunteers and fellow owners. Depending on the size and how extensive a role the board takes, a board may be organized in committees. The board can be incorporated. Yes. And that's something that's important for you to find out when you're considering moving into a neighborhood. Yeah, we've gone over all the things that you want to look at because they really do have a lot of control over what you can do. And, the, um, you know, a, a lot of the, the, the case law that I've read, and I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with this, uh, you know, the smallest things can go, it can be, you know, become something that is the impetus for, uh, you know, major upheavals in a lot of money. And we're talking about um, homeowners association arguing that the number of panes in the window when it's being built um, should be four, you know, instead of eight or, you know, that small. And it goes into, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of, of legal fees when right. the homeowners association says, no, you're not complying with the deed restriction amendment. So, um, or not, I'm sorry, the deed restrictions. And there's there's two things you want to look at in a homeowners association uh, first, when it was formed, how it was formed, if it was properly formed. Mm-hmm. And um, then you've got your covenants, which is your use restrictions and the things that tell you what you can and cannot do. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your bylaws, and that tells you uh, basically how, what the, like the government, that tells them what the rules are by the people that are, that are in charge, what they can and cannot do. Okay. So the right. bylaws are sort of the regulatory uh, rules, whereas the covenants are telling the people what what has been established to protect their values and 
you know, be a part of the community and that kind of thing. So um, a lot of this goes to what's reasonable. Just, I think, in life, what is reasonable is goes towards so many things that we have to uh, assess, uh, just like right now with, uh, you know, the Supreme Court justice nomination. Yeah, Kavanaugh. What, the whole thing going back and forth with what is reasonable. And right. you've got both sides of the, the argument. Um, you know, we've got the accusations on one side by... Uh, this lady, mm -hmm. um, that are unfounded to the extent that there's no cooperation other than she said it happened, right. you know, 30-some-odd years ago, nearly 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. And then you've got uh, the people are, that are saying, well, this has happened to me 40 years ago, and we can't have somebody that's like this off on the board. You know, he's probably been some kind of predator. But that being said, what is reasonable under the circumstances is, is up for, uh, I guess, um, uh, definition, all right? So we're going to ask, what does reasonable mean? Because this, these little things can get completely bent out of shape. And I will say this, um, of, of a lot of the uh, homeowners association arguments and things that have come up, they tend to be, for the most part, and I think you might have, you know, I have some input on this, they're small. For the amount of money involved, they're really small. Um, uh, for an example, there was uh, there's a lawsuit going on right now with a, a lady in River Oaks mm -hmm. who wanted to add um, just a little bit of concrete to her drive um, so that she could have wheelchair access uh, for her mom, okay? Right. Just on the side. It wasn't like in front of the house. It wasn't going to, it, you know, significantly change uh, the way River Oaks is viewed if she added just a few feet to, uh, to bar and so it was flat for her her elderly mother to have access to her home so she could live with her. Right. And the Homeless Association Architectural Committee said, no, it's not, it's a, it's not in compliance with our, our deed restrictions, and you should have thought about that when you built the house, although... This was a circumstance that didn't exist at that time. And so um, her, uh, she hired some really good attorneys, like the best you can imagine out in River Oaks, mm -hmm. and has been fighting it. Really, really wonderful person, does charity, you know, uh, as a, 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 all in all, wonderful person, okay? And doing right. the right thing by her mom, doing all the right things that you would want to do uh, or you think you should do. Well, the Homeowners Association said no. It's gone into protracted litigation because she's saying no. Uh, I say I should be able to use my property freely and put a wheelchair access if no one can see it or if it's, you know, in, on the side right. for the very, for the hardship purpose of, for, the, for, for no other reason, even the government would allow that sort of a, you know, they shouldn't be discriminating against, against the handicapped. disabilities, right. Um, what they did was they said there was an amendment that prohibited that unless you had, uh, you know, only so many square feet could be concrete. And they said you've extended it by, you know, you know another 15 feet or whatever it may be it was some small amount and what they did was they attacked the amendment from the standpoint that it wasn't properly passed back in i want to say 2005 or something and um the homeowners association being the controlling homeowners association and digging their heels in said no it was passed properly and so they subpoenaed the records to see the ballots and the um the they wouldn't give them up and they went all the way to supreme court unbelievably and the supreme court said yes you have to release that information to see if it passed. Good. And um, and it's, it's actually still going to trial, even though they have the information that shows through their expert that it didn't pass. She should have her wheelchair access. The fines should all go away. They're fighting over something that economically makes no sense. I right. mean, clearly the, the association is going to lose on this one, in my opinion. It hasn't gone to trial yet, but it will. Mm -hmm. I might go watch that one. But we're talking about, um, like, a, another example is another one was in Houston, um, where for, for many, many years um, in the Southampton area, there were, um, if you're familiar with Houston at all, some, the area over there by Westview has alleys, and that's where their garbage pickup is. You know, right. it's an expensive area that, um, the, that they've used up every inch of space. And so this guy buys this property, and he decides he's going to decorate, he's going to put a little three-foot garden in, something I would definitely do. He put a three-foot garden in to make it pretty back in the alley, uh, where there are some poles and some um, electrical utility um, meters and what have you. And uh, the homeowners association said, no, that is a utility easement. You cannot put your little garden in there, even though there's other areas where there is already, you know, they, 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 there's not space anyway. Right. Um, and this is, they are split on this one. But in this particular uh, decision, they said, yeah, the deed restrict. we don't care what other people are doing. The deed restrictions say that you can't do that. And so we're going to fine you. On the other hand, the complete flip side in another case shows that we're just two people out of, um, how, how was this, how, which way did this case go? It was 
there were there was a subdivision in Myerland, and there were, you know, I think there were fifteen hundred different people that had lots in Myerland. They're mm-hmm. all different sections, but but the bottom line was um, there was they weren't enforcing the deed restrictions. They were just they weren't enforcing them with consistency. Mm-hmm. And this guy said, "Hey, I should be able to you know park my RV in front of my house and move it from time to time when I'm not it's not in use because other people are doing it, and you're not you're not." coming down on them but you're coming right. down on me you're picking and on they me. said no you move it periodically and it starts over when you you park it again and we're we're telling you to stop. you can't do that now and ultimately he won they said because you haven't enforced the deed restrictions mm-hmm. against everybody sense. um and you know it was, it was again it was protracted litigation over something really small parking his rv in front of his house when everybody else in the neighborhood was doing it right out in the older Meyerland area mm-hmm. so um I guess that's where when you have to go to what's reasonable. What's reasonable for the homeowners association to come down on you, and what's reasonable for you as a homeowner, because anything you do may come out as a cost to your homeowners association. So you all you all try to be nice, but with the problem you're going to run into is if the association is sort of improperly running up attorneys' fees to make you look like the bad guy right? so that you like you're hassling them. Yeah. Like uh, unfounded, like we're going to, we're going to ask the attorney. um, If you ask for any records from our association, then you need to go talk to the attorney and that's in another attorney fee for the entire association. Right. Or uh, yes, we've been doing this for the last, um, you know, for the last five to 10 years or whatever, a number of people have been on the board, but we still don't know what our, our deed restrictions say. And so we're going to, for every question, we're going to run it past the attorney and then that person that just has a question about maybe wanting, um, you know, a, a, a 4-H pet, something that clearly is is proper under their, their association rules, mm-hmm. um, they're now the bad guy by asking for, you know, just a question. So, mm-hmm. so the question is, what is reasonable under the law? And um, reasonable is, uh, what does it mean to be reasonable? It means understanding the authority of the association, Okay. Mm-hmm. Knowing when an association should take action, mm-hmm. very important. Knowing when an association should not take action. Mm-hmm. So, and what is permissible action by the association? This isn't always something that needs to go to the attorney, but we all know that if somebody just wants to do something really simple, like paint their house a shade of gray that's slightly different from the shade of gray next door when there was no, when everyone's got different shades, the, act, the association probably shouldn't take action on that. Right. If they do, you have to kind of worry about it. So, so those are the questions you ask about what's reasonable. Um, there are over 300,000 mandatory community associations in existence in Texas. So this is not new no. um, uh, to, uh, to, well, I take that back. There's 300,000 in the United States. There's 30,000 in Texas. Um, okay. So this is not, this, this comes up all the time. And the questions I get primarily are about people that don't want to pay a fine on something that they don't feel like they are, they have done wrong. Okay? They've been unreasonable. In and doing. so they mark off, you know, they'll send the bill in or whatever it is for their homeowner's assessment, but not the fine amount. And then the fine keeps accruing. And then, you know, all these sort of kind of goes back and forth. But anyway, would you agree that a man's house is his castle? Yes, I would agree. Okay. And um, when you lived, and where did you live, Colorado or, or was Dallas, it Dallas? Dallas. Where you had a castle? <laughs> Both. <laughs> uh, a kid house and a castle. And uh, since your issue's already been resolved, what, what, were you, what was your, your issue there? Um, well, when we lived in Dallas, we were dealing with, we lived in a nice neighborhood, and we wanted to put up a, uh, a fence, part stone, you know, a, 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 with a gate. You know, we had a circular driveway in the front. And we wanted a half stone wall with um, wrought iron inserts. And it was interesting because where we lived, everybody in front of us and to the right of us all had big, tall gates. Mm-hmm. And the people to the left of us didn't have anything in their front yard. They had, you know, beautiful kind of rolling front yards. Mm-hmm. And there was a woman around the corner that lived in a tiny little brick home. And all the homes in this neighborhood weren't tiny. But her home was tiny. It was a tiny brick home. And uh, she decided we took the uh, gate and fence that was there down. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we did, uh, they they went before the city, the um, city, city planning committee, uh-huh. city planning committee. Mm-hmm. 
and didn't want us to put another one up, even to replace the one that we'd just taken down. And so it was, it was quite but what an were ordeal. The, the, uh, what were the guidelines? Did, were you under a city planning ordinance or? In Dallas, Texas, you can have a fence in front of your house, in the front yard, mm-hmm. up to four feet. Uh-huh. Anything beyond that, you have to get a variance for. Okay, so the people that had the larger the castle-like ones that were tall had gotten a variance. Is what you're well, I, no, they didn't get a variance. Oh. They just built it and nobody complained. Okay, so that would be very similar to a homeowners association in the sense that yeah. it happened and no one said anything, so obviously it was uh, something that they, they allowed. Right. They weren't going to enforce that. Right, but then when we did it, the lady around the corner got upset. And, and you hadn't even put the new fence up yet, no, is that correct? No, okay. we just started working on it. Mm-hmm. Got upset, complained to the city planning committee, and we went to a series of meetings mm-hmm. where they she, she brought her attorney. I wasn't an attorney at the time. I wish I had been because mm-hmm. things would have gone differently, mm-hmm. I think. But uh, she brought her attorney. Well, you would have known you're right. You right. would have been bullied. Mm-hmm. Right. I remember my uncle saying... It, you should have gone into that first meeting loaded for bear, and then you wouldn't be in this situation. And I just thought, you're absolutely right. Yeah, but you're like me, and you're just thinking people are nice and they're reasonable. Well, we just got and... We were appalled. At, by the end of it, we were just appalled at, that people actually behave this way. And what people? The, the lady around the corner or everybody? Or... It, was, it was the lady around the corner and her attorney, and she said that she spoke for the entire neighborhood. <laughs> well, she spoke for... I don't know that she spoke for the entire neighborhood. For she anybody, spoke for herself. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, was she we, jealous? I mean, what was the deal? It was, she had a very small house. And I don't know. I mean, in that palace around the corner. Well, Didn't a you lot say of you her neighbors next did. To, who were your neighbors? They were like some big Tony, uh, Ross Perot was one of our neighbors. <laughs> okay. All right. But, uh, yeah, but you lived in a castle. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I did. But, and I should have been able to put up a fence that oh, went with the house. Feet, if somebody like me, I'd be jumping that thing when I go get my drainage committee stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, if you don't know how to handle a homeowners association or how to handle a group of people in your neighborhood mm-hmm. that gang up against you or want, have one vision for the neighborhood. And a bunch of other people have yeah, another didn't you vision. Did you say you originally had um, the support of a number yes, of people? Yes, we did. And what happened? Uh, they just got cold feet. They didn't want to get involved. At first, they were like, of course, you can do whatever you want. What's the problem? Look at their fence. Look at their fence. Look at their fence. Uh-huh. But weren't they afraid that they were going to come down them on their big fences? Uh, they didn't have the ones that supported us that backed out didn't have fences. Uh-huh. Okay. So they, they were just not having they, a problem with what you asked for, they but didn't they didn't want problem. to get involved. They didn't want to get involved. Mm-hmm. In, and the woman in the little red brick house described the neighborhood as a park-like setting. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And she lived next to Prospero. <laughs> yeah. As a park-like boy, you should have seen his gate. He had a, like an uh, uh, airport. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Trip. Well, you know, actually, his house was pretty small. Really? But he had a lot of property. Yeah. And uh, very I poor see, I boating. I bet he had a big gate. Huge. Yeah, because you got to keep people out when you're oh, off yeah. row. I mean, and it was black and all, mm-hmm. you know, blacked out and all of that. But so in her mind, this lady. Christmas Carol over there? Mind? No. Did we? <laughs> no. I, we didn't Christmas Carol in that neighborhood. But uh, she had one vision and other people had different visions, and she was just able to impose her vision. And mm-hmm. I really think a lot of it is because we just quit fighting. We were so disgusted mm-hmm. that this even went on. Because you were thinking, let's like we talked about before, this isn't reasonable. Right. And life, it, there's more important things to life than, you know, nitpicking about something that, uh, an argument when, when really God has given us the landscape every morning that's different and we should be appreciating what we have. So, so anyway, um, the, 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 kind of getting back on track to, to our homeowners associations, the, um, Regulation of land use, just with zoning as well as homeowners associations, is really important. Um, no one can tell a person what they can do on their own property. That's just a basic, a basic premise of the United States. That's why people came over from England sure. for religious freedom and to be able to do what they want on their property and not be, you know, bullied by the government and over taxation and that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, but this is the most important key to homeowners associations: to preserve their property values. They should be able to regulate what their neighbors are permitted and prohibited from doing. So in other words, for your own subdivision, you should be able to, uh, you know, you don't want somebody to come in that's got, um, you know, uh, uh, old toilet sitting in there. I think like they have that over there. A refrigerator. 25. In yeah, your that, in the front yard or, or yeah. something or, you know, something where it the 
the the ambiance of you know the appeal when you come in is bad. Mm-hmm. But but you it, this doesn't say there's there's nothing to say that when when the gas station people come in behind you or somebody else comes in behind you that that you have any alliance with them or any responsibility to them. Mm-hmm. It's only within your group that just like the United States, like we shouldn't have. It'd be nice to help other nations, but we don't have a responsibility to pick up the slack for every other country in the world. Right. We should first make sure that we're taken care of right. and then be gracious. And if we've got, you know, to be the generosity for mankind, I guess. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick break and we will be back. Um, you can listen to us live on, watch us live on Facebook, uh, just facebook.com slash legal connection show. We'll be right back after the break. Those of you who like your partners, your gumbo, and your music salty, well, we're here to help with the music. Julian Shea here, host of Lone Star Country Nights Thursday, your weekly dose of roots and Americana and all the music that makes this part of the country special. We stir in western swing, honky-tonk, Zydeco, Texas blues, outlaw country, and put a pinch of red dirt, and then we smoke it over a slow fire. Then listen to the results Thursday nights on Conroe's 104.5 and 106.1 and worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. Does your company have needs that can be met by an employee who is dependable, hardworking, enthusiastic, motivated, cooperative, respectful, and punctual? Conroe Independent School District Special Education Department can meet your needs by connecting you with potential employees that have been preparing for a lifetime of employment. We have numerous individuals seeking paid and unpaid work experiences. If your company is interested in seeing how we can meet your business needs, call Conroe ISD Special Education Department to find the best employees for you at 936 909-7671. Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show. With monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the message line at 936-647-3776 to take your first step into the radio world. Welcome back to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Today we are talking about homeowners associations. Um, So, okay, Tony. some law. I think this is, you know, what the legal connection is about. Right. Um, one purpose of deed restrictions is to protect property values. It's only one, but that's probably the major one for most people right. in subdivisions. They want to make sure that their property value is enhanced, a cute little marquee in the front, and, you know, that right. somebody doesn't, you know, come out with a herd of cattle in their front yard that's going to, you know, c- crash through, fen- or whatever it is. There might be mm-hmm. a safety issue or, or whatever the case may be. Right. Um, however, violations of deed restrictions most directly affect the value of adjoining lots, and that's versus Melson um, in, in Texas. And so basically, if somebody's griping about your lot, like the lady that was around the corner from you, um, you would think it would be the person that would be close to you or in your subdivision, not somebody right. on the outside. Yeah. Somebody on the outside doesn't have any right to come into your subdivision and tell you, particularly if you're not next to them and not harmed by it, what you cannot kind of do because that's that's manipulative. Mm-hmm. Now, um, an owner, uh, a really, really old, well-settled law in Texas is, An owner burdens his own land with restrictions because the fact that a like burden will be imposed on his neighbor's lot, and this will be beneficial to both. So basically, it's quid quid pro quo. If you don't want, if you move into a neighborhood and it's a ranch neighborhood, or you move into a neighborhood and it's like Westview, and everybody's got massive zero-lot houses then that are all red brick, like in Greatwood, then Mm -hmm. that's pretty much your deed restrictions are going to say something like that. Right. Tanglewood, I was just reading all of, they have amendments quite often. And I know a lot of people on that board. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this happened that I was in companies, and these people were the presidents and vice presidents. We became pretty good friends. As, as you age, the people you work with now own companies. Mm-hmm. And um, they have a, a really good um, protocol on, on uh, amending their deed restrictions. And they, they comply with what the wishes of the community are. Well, that's great. Yeah, which really works. They've mm-hmm. got a system, and it, it works very well. But in a lot of communities, they, they don't have them, or they don't use them, or they're not enforceable. Or you have a board that overextends its authority by creating rules that they have no authority to do. And that kind of goes toward, you know, kind of what was happening with a lot of my clients. Um, so 
uh, there is a great concern about this practice of changing deed restrictions without a member vote or without an agreement. And mm-hmm. so the, the, the proof is in the pudding. You go to that declaratory instrument with the covenants in it, which tells you how to amend your deed restriction. Mm-hmm. Um, statutes are usually created to for the benefit of the homeowner, not the association, because you want less government rule. You're right. not supposed to have government rule over your own property. That's right. why we, you know, that's what the United States is about. So, mm-hmm. um, but HOAs are now recording all kinds of things in land records, which are not properly adopted. And they're making up the rules as they go and then saying that they are the rules because they're recorded. And that's just simply not the case. They can't say, oh, well, we'll we have a quorum um, if 5% of the people show up and the board's there. Right. If, if it's in conflict with what your deed covenants say, and no covenant would ever, uh, th- that would never be allowed for you to change it so that basically a handful of people could make up all the right. rules and they, they point to something that's a record that's simply not valid. So that's being an attorney would help to be able to read that. Mm-hmm. Um, you, uh, they can't, uh, the laws that are adopted by boards without sufficient board members under the governing documents are not valid. Um, law, uh, I guess bylaw or covenants or deed restriction amendments that are adopted contrary to the deed restrictions, but contrary to their purpose, are not valid. You're right. And um, even if you have a, a, a statute, uh, a statutes, especially in this area, many times are ambiguous and you have to go to the legislative intent, which mm-hmm. almost always favor the landowner as the mm-hmm. little guy and the legislatures are just trying to help their constituents. Right. So if you go to that, it, there's a lot of wiggle room for all the statutes, but you really want to go to see what your, um, what your declaratory document says, mm-hmm. and then you want to look at it in conjunction with the statute. But the most important thing is what does the community want? And if it doesn't harm the community and actually it doesn't harm them and it may actually enhance the values within your community, then mm-hmm. it, then the board should probably comply with the wish of the community. The wishes. So mm-hmm. they shouldn't be able to override that for some political reason, whatever. Now, um, so what uh, what happens if there's improper records filed? What can the homeowners do? What kind of legal actions can they take? Well, the problem is, is that if your homeowners association um, starts, uh, you know, sues you then they're gonna the the money is trickles down to the homeowners associations unless there's some kind of an insurance policy which i think would be a good idea for associations to get that would cover the cost of those kind of suits sort of like an errors and emissions Mm -hmm. um but to blackmail an owner that's simply trying to uh have their deed restrictions to have what they're doing to to be able to do what they're doing and they're in compliance with their deed restrictions Mm -hmm. and then be bullied by the threats of, suit. Of, of court costs mm-hmm. and, you know, people rallying behind them, then that's, uh, and the association are, you know, basically it's sort of legal blackmail by the homeowners association. That's, that's not right. And so there, there are things that you can do. Um, now, the, what, what are the steps to get back to deed restrictions? Because that seems to be a really big thing with a lot of my clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, why do you have deed restrictions? Let's just go to the, go back to the basics, people. Um, they set standards for the community. Right. The communities on the outside, but, but the interior for that community. communities. Right. Mm-hmm. So the lady that you, that was dealing with you, the only problem is you had a zoning issue with Dallas. So that was a little different from the community. So I think that you might have had a good argument, though, because your community, you were telling me about how it looked on the street, was different one way than the other. And mm-hmm. you had, you know, people that were so wealthy that they had likely had airline landing strips or, you know, air, you know that kind of thing there, that it was the circumstances were different from what the zoning may have suggested when it was put Well, together. actually, she was the only little house in the whole area. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was a big part of it. But it really goes to the reasonableness of what we're talking about, that one person can try and manhandle yes. the entire and situation. And they're making a lot of noise and yeah. costing the money, and they just want to get on with their lives. They've got other things going on. Right. Now, um, the deed restrictions are critical in the importance without zoning. This is different here in, in the Conroe area than it is up in Dallas because, because we really don't have zoning. And so we have to rely yeah, on Yeah, the zoning that. in Houston is, is all uh, it's, over it's the planet. Different. But yeah. here up in Montgomery County, it's a little different because we're still a, a tree forested area. And there, there's still a lot of arguments, though, about, you know, uh, what you can do on your property. But it's relative to the restrictions that run with the land as opposed mm-hmm. to the zoning. Now, um then uh, uh, another reason to have them is the necessity to maintain and improve property values um, in the neighborhood. And that's pretty much the main thing that people look at. So if something's going on outside the neighborhood that may be affecting you, then your homeowners association should step up to the plate 
and protect homeowners within your association to make sure that your property values stay intact. And that, that kind of goes toward like Tanglewood because back in the day, Tanglewood wasn't the affluent. I mean, it was still a wonderful place, but it wasn't like River Oaks back in the, the 60s. But it became that way because they protected themselves from outside influences by building, you know, doing, you know, getting with the homeowners and building amazingly beautiful walls and then putting together, like the amendments that I was looking at, restrictions that really kept everything intact as far as curb appeal mm-hmm. and, and their property values. And that was, the, that was the other main thing with Tanglewood, the curb appeal. Mm-hmm. And so if stuff's going on in a property that's kind of behind the scenes, then that's not curb appeal. Right. And there's a lot of uh, that kind of goes back toward whether um, your restrictions even have can be enforced if something's going on that nobody can see. But mm-hmm. your property values being maintained within your subdivision and maintaining curb appeal is really important, is the, the reason for deed restrictions. Um, and to enhance and maintain property values. And the deed restrictions set guidelines for communal living within the association. So that kind of goes back to the thing that we talked about before. Your neighbors adjacent to you, if, you know, you've got like, uh, I guess if you're, uh, uh, you've got like a pig farm and it's really smelly, that might be something that you would want to bring to the attention of your right. association mm-hmm. uh, because you wouldn't have good communal living if somebody was doing that. A lot of the deed restrictions coming out right now and some of the more fussy neighborhoods are not allowing you to have what's called solar clotheslines. And all that is is a clothesline. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, air drive by the sun. By the sun. And they're not allowing them to have that. And in the country, I mean, that's not something that's come up with any of my clients. I was just reading about it. They've actually had uh, lawsuits over solar uh, clotheslines, clothes lines, <laughs> which is kind of silly. Um, oh. Okay, so... To get, kind of get into, uh, to, to kind of move along to some of the more, you know, important issues. Um, now, uh, what the authority to enforce deed restrictions. Um, the association may collect attorney's fees and costs for enforcing government documents if the, there's written notice, the written notice is provided that a violation and it continues. This is only through the association. An owner is not liable for attorney's fees if the attorney's fees are incurred before the conclusion of the hearing under Texas Property Code point. 209.007. And this this happens so much where um, somebody will say, you're not in compliance with the deed restrictions, and then they file suit. And then the person is trying desperately to get in compliance, and they do. Well, they're not responsible for the attorney's fees under by statute, no matter what the, 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 the declarations may say, because they're in compliance. And so right. it's moot. All they, right? they fixed it. Um, yeah, so they've already fixed it, so that's not really an issue for that. Um, now, uh, there was oh, there was something I was going to talk about that, that was very, very important, and it goes toward uh, voting rights. A lot of my clients were afraid that they couldn't vote and were being told they couldn't vote because of their declarations because they were um, not caught up on their payments, their assessments. Right. And the law changed, and that's just simply not the case anymore. Well, good. Under the Texas Property Code, and I believe it's um, 209.0059, might be 0055, but anyway, it's a tenant 209. Um, it it's not if you are behind on your assessments are are you're being told that you've got a deed restriction violation that does not prohibit you from running for office running for the board or voting well, it doesn't good. matter what your declaratory entrance said that it's a violation of your constitutional rights basically yeah and uh, so you can vote so don't let that don't let your association tell you any differently and um now here are some of the questions that i had from some of my clients mm-hmm. and they wanted to know what were the, what, you know, did they look to their homeowners association uh, bylaws and covenants or did they look to the statutes? And so here's the answers. Under the Texas Homeowners Association laws passed several years ago, homeowners associations and property owners associations are required to make meetings of respective boards open. So the questions are who, to, to answer what I was looking for was who are the meetings open to? Because there's a lot of secrecy going on. And so who are they open to? The public? Can just anyone attend? Um, can can they bring a lawyer? Can they bring the local news crew? Mm-hmm. Can it be recorded? Mm-hmm. Because people want to know what's going on. Because these things, as you know, mm-hmm. and I've been to a bunch of meetings, and I kind of stopped going to a while, they can get really heated over yes. the most minuscule, mm-hmm. ridiculous things ever. Right. And it's almost like, um, like, like uh, a family that's got some closets, uh, skeletons in the closet. Mm-hmm. They're, they have this this amazingly rich, wonderful, lavish wedding, and old Uncle Joe comes, and the daughters come, and everybody's all kiss, kiss, nicey, nicey, 
people they haven't seen for a while. It reminds me of an Italian wedding. But what's really going on behind the scenes, behind all the smiles and the, the sweetness, is a lot of um, pettiness. Mm-hmm. Uncle Joe's an alcoholic, and um, the, uh, one of the, the sisters has you know, got illegitimate children from mm-hmm. five different guys, but she's pretending like she's married to some rich guy, and it's a wonderful wedding. And so there's a lot of things that aren't being spoken. There's a lot of secrecy going on. Right. And so um, the secrecy of the meetings there, there shouldn't be secrecy in homeowners association. It should just all be out there. Yeah, there They're should just simply be transparency. There to protect the value of the property, right. protect the homeowners association from from outside forces, whether it be government coming in and trying to, you know, um, I guess get take eminent domain of your property or put an easement in, or that you and you want to be protected by your homeowners association, or whether your neighbors open a pig farm and you want to, you need some, you need somebody to come in and and take care of that for mm-hmm. you. Whatever the case may be, the the, the, the restrictions are set out so that you can have uh, communal living, uh, curb appeal, and that your property values don't fall. And really, anything outside of that is just kind of nitpicky, you know. Right. I think. Um, yeah. So anyway, the answer to that question about the meetings, though, is just the owners, persons who hold title to the property within the residential subdivision and their personal representatives are entitled to attend. Not lawyers, but their personal representatives. If well, why would a lawyer not be a personal representative? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know why the law is, is set out like it is right now, but it seems to me that you could bring them. But I think you would have to get permission because this is saying that that you can't. But l- let me let me go on. Okay. Regular and special meetings must be open to all owners. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, subject to the right of the board to adjourn and reconvene in a closed session. So they can do that. So if you're an owner or an owner's representative, like by proxy, and I would think an attorney would be appropriate too, but I don't know. They're saying not here. Yeah. Um, you can attend the regular meeting, but if the board goes into a closed session, you're not allowed to except for in these different situations. What matters are appropriate for a closed or they're called executive sessions. Mm-hmm. Actions involving personal pending or threatened litigation, contract negotiations, enforcement actions, confidential communications with uh, homeowners attorneys, matters involving the invasion of privacy of individual owners, and matters that are to remain confidential are, uh, can only go into that by the request of the affected parties and by agreement and by agreement of the board. Everything else is fair game in a special session. So all of these things should be open unless the person involved wants it to be um, kept, you know, confidential. And so the person involved can request that it's a closed meeting yes. or an executive yes, meeting. Right. And it says the new law now, um, the new laws uh, back in 2015 um, require that owners be given advance notice of any special uh, are any regular or special board meetings, the date, the hour, and the place, and the general subject matter have to be disclosed in the notice along with the general description of any matter to be brought up in the executive session. The notice can be given in several ways, but the bottom line is the executive session has to be documented. Now, um, if the board is going to, this, this is the sort of the, 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 the stuff that's outside of that context, though. If the board is going to consider or vote on any certain issues, the board cannot hold a meeting with, I'm sorry, let me, let me say this again because it's actually part of the statute. If the board is going to consider our vote on certain issues, the board cannot hold a meeting without giving the required notice to the owners. These issues include the imposition of fines, damage assessments, initiation or foreclosure or enforcement, act, enforcement actions, except TRO or violations involving the threat of health and safety. Okay. Any other TROs can come up that should be uh, open. Mm-hmm. Temporary Increases, restraining order yes, and, is a TRO. Otherwise, it's got to be open to everybody to talk about it. Yeah. It can't be something that's hidden. Right. Increases in assessments are levying special assessments. Appeals from denials of architectural control approval. Mm-hmm. So that needs to be open to everybody. Right. And suspending a right of an owner before the owner has had the opportunity to h- attend a board meeting and present the owner's position. So the, the, the owner has a beef then they need to be able to present it to the board before it can ever go into an executive session. So synthesis is mostly what OCOs do anyway. They need to be able to, you need, it needs to be open and not so much secrecy. Right. And and they need to notify all the homeowners in that association. Right. There needs to be a notice, a proper yeah. notice. So because you need to get around the secrecy. It's not to SAPO. Right. This is just a communal group that is put together to be able to keep. For your benefit, um, hopefully. the benefit of the homeowners, not to make it. So, you know, protracted litigation and raising their fees and sort of blackmailing them by saying, well, if you do this and you ask for records, we're going to well, find you. We're going to make everybody pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not the kind of things that we would that you want to do if you're homeowner. So, OK, well, we're going to take a quick break 
our last one before the the close of the show. You can send us your questions at questions at legalconnectionshow.com. And you can also give us your questions on Facebook Live. Uh, We'll be right back after the break. What is homelessness? Have you seen parents struggle to find a job without having transportation or childcare? What about the children sleeping in cars with nothing to eat? Families shouldn't have to struggle to survive, and children should not be homeless. Family Promise of Montgomery County serves the needs of homeless families and their children. Learn about ways you can help and learn about partnership opportunities at www.familypromiseofmc.org or call our day center at 936 941-8778. Hey, Montgomery County and online listeners. Thank you so very much for checking out Jazzy Vibes with Soul. What? You haven't done so yet? Well, you've got to tune in. Hi, I am the host of Jazzy Vibes with Soul, Miss Cece Holmes, and I invite you to check us out every Friday and Saturday from 7 until 9 p.m., where you will get the best in old-school R&B, and of course, a little smooth jazz to make it jazzy. So tune in. That's right, tune in. Every Friday and Saturday right here on Conroe's 104.5 and 106.1 FM or worldwide at IRLongStar.com. A Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's radio station with talk, music, weather, and traffic for Montgomery County. Have a question or comment about one of our shows? Want to know how to reach a host? Just contact the station at IRLoneStar.com or call in and leave a message at 936-647-3776. Get involved with your community with Lone Star Community Radio. Welcome back to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Tony and I are talking about homeowners associations. And Tony, you just went through the law uh, about the homeowners associations. Uh, what about um, restrictions and uh, enforcement well, if, of those? You know, if your homeowners association, if you know the board members, and, and the, if you actually read your covenants, they're they're written not in legalese. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can pick them up and read them, get them off of the from the property records. And again, just like we said before, sometimes. What's in the property records is not actually they don't they didn't have the authority to file right they're the not valid mm-hmm. so you want to go to um, to to the restrictive covenants that that are available to you maybe it's not the amendments but you want to see if it if it was it properly formed um, you know is it still in place um, it, it's not hard to read you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure all of this stuff out um, if you're even looking at that that means you've had some um, You've had some interaction with your homeowners association or you're buying a house, mm-hmm. which you should look at before you buy a house Absolutely. without question. Right. Because a lot of these lawsuits go toward people buying a property and tearing it down and wanting to rebuild. And they are being told for the very simplest things, like they, they want to face their house toward a different, not one street, but another if it's on a corner. Mm-hmm. And there's a different setback. Mm-hmm. Um, and, That's and, a big deal. And setbacks. then our setbacks are huge. And mm-hmm. you may be in, in a community where your association and your you bought your home, you know, decades ago, but another association has come in and put their subdivision or development right next to yours with very lenient rules where you, you may have a 50 foot setback. They have only a 10, bu- 10 foot setback. And so they are now staring down over you and they may have pit bulls and they may have you know, mm-hmm. uh, they may have all kind of things. They can put road. They can do all kind of things that do not help you and actually harm you in your association because your rules have never been updated and your homeowners association isn't protecting you. Right. So, so you have to go look to that, and, and that's kind of where we're at right now. I've got a lot of clients coming to me with those questions. So, interpretation of restrictive covenants. Go to your restrictive covenant and and just read them. See what's of record. See what what you were provided when when you first bought your house because those usually run with the land and. More than likely, if they're if they are valid, and when you close in your house, you should have an attorney look at that to make sure. Um, then you just want to see, you know, kind of what you're in for. And if you're already in there and want to see if you can update or modify, or like the lady in River Oaks, if your elderly mother now is in a wheelchair and you want to take care of her, mm-hmm. um, you want to see uh, what your uh, 
your your different positions are, what your options are. Now, um, this is the law in Texas, interpretation of restrictive covenants. Free use of land, liberal interpretation, and reasonableness are the three key issues to mm. interpretation. Free use of land to the owner, not right. to the association. Right. Okay. Liberal interpretation means if it could go one way or the other, it's going to be in favor of the homeowner. Mm-hmm. And reasonableness of what you're asking for. Mm-hmm. That's how the courts will, will, will look at this, whether it's a jury or a judge. Don't let your homeowner association put that black robe on and say they're the judge. Right. Because they're not. Right. Okay. But you also want to kind of weigh your odds to, is this something that I want to fight over over something really small when these people are being kind of petty about mm-hmm. it? You know, and your attorney will help you kind of work through that. Now, free use of land. For many years, the law as to the enforcement of deed restrictions um, favors the free use of land against and against those who seek to restrict the use of the property in cases of ambiguity. So if there's a question about what your deed restriction says, it's always, by law right now, all the way up to the Supreme Court and our statutes, um, it should be it should be uh, interpreted in favor of the landowner. Mm-hmm. Okay? So if there's something that says um, you can't have um, guinea pigs uh, unless you've got, I mean, this is just a stretch, uh, guinea sure. pigs unless you've got a kid that's under 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Well, let's say you have the guinea pig and now the kid is now 12, and they're saying you can't have it. Well, I believe that that restriction would be in favor of the homeowner because at the time that they acquired it, they had a guinea pig and it was a pet. Was, you know, it's something, and the child get, was 12 around, yeah. and so 10 that, or under. You have to get, look at a lot of different things, but I'm just looking at that would be reasonable. Right. And, the, and there's an ambiguity because there's no end to it. And so that would be my interpretation of it. Okay. Liberal interpretation, speaking of, a restrictive covenant shall be liberally construed to give the effect to the purposes and its intent. And that's in the Texas Property Code, Section 202.003. So even the statutes support that. What the intent was was probably because it's for the benefit of the homeowner, mm-hmm. not for the government, to allow you to do it, to have the free use of your property or have curb appeal or keep the property values up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the current balance in most courts, covenants should be liberally construed to determine the framer's intent. And if there is any ambiguity as to that intent, the covenant should then be strictly confu- construed in favor of the free and unrestricted use of the premises. All right. Mm-hmm. Now, presumption of reasonableness. This is just a presumption, but... Like in law, you have to look at everything like the judge would look at it, all right? An exercise of discretionary authority by the property owners association or by other representatives designated by an owner of the real property concerning a restricted covenant is presumed reasonable unless the court determines by preponderance of the evidence that the exercise of discretion is arbitrary, capricious, or discriminatory, okay? And that's important because you can't just say, I interpret it like this. You have to look at the way the law would look at it and kind of weigh how much it's going to cost you to go to court, right? So right. what's the definition of arbitrary? Failure to exercise honest judgment. So that is arbitrary. Mm-hmm. If, I mean, it's not, if somebody tells you something and you know that in their heart of hearts that that's just simply not reasonable and it's not judgment, it's, it's biased or, you know, someone's got a you know, vendetta or whatever, then that's going to be arbitrary, mm-hmm. okay? Um also, I'm going to go to the, def- the interpretation of the covenants with regard to actual words used. The, de- the devil, the details and the devil, the devil, the details. Mm-hmm. Um, the word vote is, um, is, is not defined in, in many deed restrictions. And if you look, so you have to go to what the actual, um, what the common definition would be. And, and the word vote in like Webster's Dictionary is just for an owner to establish what their position would be. And if I actually were to show you what the the actual definition of vote is, which I want to because it's, you know, it's just an example of, of the different things that you have to look at when you are uh, trying to analyze uh, uh, on your own without trying to get an attorney involved so you can save some money, the kind of things that you're looking for. And um, gosh, I don't really have it right here in front of me, but, but look at the definitions of things that are actually in the actual covenant itself because if there's something that, that you don't know the definition of, even the word subdivision, is defined. Mm-hmm. Owner mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. defined. Go look at that because mm-hmm. you don't have to be an attorney to look at that. That's all we learn in law school pretty mm-hmm. much is, you know, go to, you know, you trace back to what the actual definition is and mm-hmm. you and you look at it and you can reconstruct it. Now, right. capricious is another um, uh, thing that you have to look for. That is freakish, whimsical, fickle, changeable, unsteady, and arbitrary, which is failure to exercise honest judgment. So being capricious is also happens quite a bit. Right. Like, just like in families. Mm-hmm. Is, I think a homeowner's association is kind of like a family in a way because you're all mm. living together. Mm-hmm. Um, discriminatory. Failure to treat all persons equally. And that goes to what we talked about before where you've got um, 
uh, somebody just like in your situation where you've got people with high gates mm-hmm. with, within the city and you have mm-hmm. people with low gates, but they're not all being treated the same, that's discriminatory. Mm-hmm. I think that in your case, you could have argued that. Now, um, the other things are um, a waiver and abandonment, and that kind of goes toward that. If, if, the, if, um, if your homeowner association hasn't, um, or the city or whoever the governing part of entity is, if they haven't come to you and enforced uh, whatever the, the, the deed restriction is, um, or they've actually have some rule that says we're going to overlook this deed restriction, then that's waiver mm-hmm. and abandonment. And it can't be, they cannot now hold the new owner or you down the pike. They can't um, have it both ways. They can't have it both ways. Right. You, you can't, you either, you either enforce it or you don't, or it goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, a waiver de- by definition is, a, a, they're, they're, the court is going to find a finder. A, the court will find waiver um, if a, a property owner association voluntarily, intentionally uh, relinquishes its right to enforce deed restrictions mm-hmm. with some justification. Kind of like the example that you gave at the top of the show, the beginning of the show, that was about the RVs. The guy um, mm-hmm. couldn't park his RVs, his RV in the front of the house, but other people were allowed to, so they randomly enforced that and then mm-hmm. it that then the court considered it waived yeah so i guess this show is also to all my clients that are are fearful and yours too i just happen to have a bunch right now and i've got so many things to do but you can't turn somebody down when they're in that kind of situation this is for clients that don't don't believe they have any any power they feel powerless about their homeless association and some of the common problems are uh, assessment abuses um, this is very common. Assessment of what? Uh, assessment abuses. This is oh, very abuses. common um, with homeowners associations. Assessments will be increased more than the rules allow. Assessment collections will far exceed the reasonable need. Right. A single assessment increased um, over several years is, and has accumulated a percentage. Uh, management of company and attorney abuses. Um, an unreasonable number of liens or lawsuits against owners by the homeowners association. Squeezing money from homeowners by threats of lawsuits and attorney's fees if they ask for per- certain records or if they if they want to defy what the board, who are just volunteers, right. now said. Delegation of power to an attorney of uh, our management company to sue owners. Indemnification of attorneys and management companies so the owners pay for the bad acts of the management company. Management companies make bad decisions and now... Because they're being vindictive, they're going to charge the whole association. Right. That's an abuse of the management. Mm-hmm. Improperly creating late payments, waiting months before cashing a check, foreclosing when the homeowners or majority of the homeowners disapprove. They yeah. said, "Don't do it." Foreclosing agents that uh, against those that are down on their luck. They can't mm-hmm. be doing that. Foreclosing for trivial reasons. Um, there's just so many other things that they do. Uh, creating new deed restrictions without the voice of the owner. Okay, Tony, we're going to have to wrap it up, but that is, we want our listeners to understand these are common. And so if you see this happening to you, don't think, oh, they're picking on me. Know that these are common problems that Mm -hmm. you have to stand up to these people. You can listen to us tomorrow. You can download us on Google Play and iTunes. We'll be here next week at 12 o'clock. And we want to remind you to serve God by serving others. That's right. Have a great week, guys. Thanks for listening.